am coming all the way from across the hall from the Kids Church. Greetings from um, the, the Kids Ministry. Uh, I just want to plug VBS again one more time. Um, we would love to have your kids join us. We are going to be outside primarily due to COVID, um, but it's going to be a great time, and there is still plenty of space, so sign up for VBS as soon as possible, please. Um, Welcome to everyone online. Hello, Facebook. Hello, YouTube. We're so glad you could be here with us today. And so, um, yeah, we are in week two of Summer at the Vineyard here at, here at our church. And like Grimaldi mentioned, Pastor Phil is away on vacation. So today it is my turn to have an opportunity to share from God's Word with you all. Um, and I titled today's sermon, Don't Worry, Be Joyful, because <laughs> we're going to be talking about joy, uh, rejoicing in the Lord and being joyful, which is different from happy, but now you'll have don't worry, be happy in your mind for the rest of the service, so you're welcome. Um, I don't know how many of you would consider yourselves worriers, but I am definitely a recovering worrier for sure. Um, even from the time I was a child, I was constantly worried, whether it was about my grades or meeting people's expectations of me, or even things that didn't even, um, were very highly unlikely to happen. I was kind of always worried, and I almost always tried to control everything so that my environment was safe and predictable, so that I could always know what was coming, so that I could always be ready, right? And, and you know, in some ways, it worked out in my benefit. I think um, because of that personality trait, because of how I thought, um, I was always pretty much a good student. I'm kind of a goody two-shoe. I was a rule follower, and um, it kept me safe in a lot of situations. I'm perceived as responsible and caring, which is true, but at one point in my life, um, all of my worrying and all of my trying to control things led me to a pretty scary moment in time. And so uh, this happened about 15 years ago. I was in my mid-20s, and at the time, things in my life were, um, in my perception, out of control. Um, all of the things I had tried before to kind of make sure things would go the way I wanted them to were not working out. So I was constantly worrying, constantly trying to control and manipulate situations so that they would go the way I expected them to, right? So that they were safe and predictable. Well, I didn't deal with things in a very healthy manner. And so one random morning, I was a school teacher at the time. I was just getting ready for work and um, out of nowhere started having trouble breathing. Like I could not breathe. I could not catch my breath. And the more I thought about not being able to breathe, the more the breathing got worse. And then I started crying, and I started shaking, and um, I was so scared. And it took me a while to finally calm down and get my breathing under control. I took some deep breaths, and then once that kind of stopped, I realized, I thought, huh, I think I just had an anxiety attack. Um, and I know, I knew that my body was telling me something wasn't quite right. Uh, and I know I'm not the only one in this room who has experienced anything like that. I know that anxiety disorders are real. And from the get-go, I want to say that there's no shame in seeking help, in seeking counseling. 
And that's actually what I did at that point in my life. One of my good friends was a counselor herself, and she was able to refer me to someone. And she, um, my counselor, really helped me and really um, helped me to see. And she was a Christian, and so we were able to bring my, our faith into the the therapy. And she was able to help me pinpoint the ways, my thought patterns, the ways that I wasn't thinking correctly about who I was in God and who God was in my life. And so God used that counselor to remind me of the truths that I needed to hear from the Lord. So the Lord used therapy in my healing. And so I want to make a distinction really before we pick apart the passage today, that there are instances where we will absolutely need help, need professional help, and perhaps even medication to help us in this area. There are things we have no control over. Chemical imbalances in our mind, our brains are real and could require medication, and that's fine. There's no stigma here. There's no shame about that. And if you are here and you're currently suffering from a diagnosed anxiety disorder, you are not alone. You're not alone in this room, in this church. You're not alone in our country. You know, a cursory Google search um, says, you know, I found this stat from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America. They state that 40 million people in the United States experience an anxiety disorder in any given year. Approximately 8% of children and teenagers experience anxiety, an anxiety disorder, with most people developing symptoms before the age of 21. So getting younger and younger. And I don't need to mention what COVID has done for these stats. Right? Um, so anxiety disorders are among the most common men uh, mental illnesses in America. But I want to make sure that we know that there's a difference between normal levels of anxiety and when something is a bit more serious. Another organization, Mental Health America, states most people experience feelings of anxiety before an important event, such as a big exam, a business presentation, or a first date. And I would add to that preaching. <laughs> Um, but anxiety disorders, however, here's the difference, anxiety disorders are illnesses that cause people to feel frightened, distressed, and uneasy for no apparent reason. Left untreated, these disorders can dramatically reduce productivity and significantly diminish an individual's quality of life. So if you're thinking that's you, that, that what I just described is, my, is maybe how you've been living, I want to encourage you to seek professional help. We refer people to, here at our church to Christian counseling all the time. And as someone who has been significantly helped in this area, as someone who has been, has got, who, who has um, just received healing from the Lord through counseling, I want to say the Lord is able to use that as part of your healing. And if you need a referral, we as a church are here for you. We would love to help you out in that area. Right? So, but what I want to talk about today, the bulk of what I want to talk about, at whatever level you might experience anxiety, is what the Bible has to say about this topic, right? our thoughts. Right? Maybe you're not necessarily an anxious person, but you know maybe the way you thought, it's just a negative way of thinking, or you're highly critical, all right? or super judgmental. But what does God say about the thoughts that we think? All right? Maybe, I hope that we get to a place where we will worry less and trust more. I believe that there's freedom for each and every one of us in this area, and he is so good. God is so good to remind us in his word. So let's pray and submit this time to God. So Lord, I thank you 
for your word. I thank you for this time to just delve into it. Lord, and I just ask even now, Lord, in Jesus' name, would you begin transforming our hearts and our minds, Lord? Would you begin to rework and heal those patterns of thinking in our minds that are not from you, Lord? And I pray, God, that you would just be with us now. Thank you that you do not leave us alone. Lord, thank you that you uh, transform us and continue to sanctify us, God. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today's passage is primarily from Philippians 4. And before I read the passage, I want to talk about where Paul is in his life at this moment. So Paul is actually under house arrest in Rome. He is writing to the church in Philippi, which he, has, he established 10 years prior And so he's thanking the church for their support of him, for um, the gifts that that, that they have sent him. And he is encouraging them towards humility, towards contentment. And this, I thought, was really interesting. A major theme in the book of Philippians is actually joy and rejoicing. It is mentioned 16 times in this tiny book of Philippians, 16 times. And so I think that's interesting, and it's something that we need to pay attention to. And it's actually where Paul begins his, um, this passage, in this passage. So Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says this. If we can go to the, yeah, there it is. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So I feel like every time I read that passage, it's almost like uh, an exhale, right? Um, There was a time in my life in college, again, like I've shared, I was a very anxious student. I was always concerned about my grades. And in college, that was my focus and I was always so um, concerned about my, my studies and And this passage was how I would start out my time with God for years because I just needed God's word. I needed it. I needed to repeat it. I needed to read it until it actually sunk, until I actually felt God's peace on me. So this passage means a lot to me. And um, the first thing I want to point out is that Paul tells us to do what? What's the first word? Rejoice, right? Rejoice in the Lord, okay? Don't be an Eeyore, right? Um, If you might not be familiar with the classic uh, Winnie the Pooh um, children's tales, but Eeyore was kind of this character. He's the donkey that kind of like dragged himself around. He was just super negative, right? Um, Whenever anyone had anything fun to say, he always came back with something negative, Right? He was kind of contrasted by Tigger, who was always jumping around and on his tail and so full of energy and life. And then you have Eeyore. Right? So here's a meme I found of our favorite donkey here. So this is kind of how he walked around. He's like, could be worse. 
Not sure how, but it could be. All right, so I just share that <laughs> as an example of how we're not supposed to be, right? We are not supposed to be like Eeyore, okay? And so this is how Paul um, starts his encouragement for us in this passage. We are to be rejoicing. We are to rejoice in the Lord. And he doesn't just say it once, he says it twice, right? We can go back to the passage now. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, what? Rejoice. He's like, hey, you in the back, you need to rejoice, right? And notice who Paul says to rejoice in. Rejoice in the Lord, right? Rejoice in the Lord. Paul didn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He didn't say rejoice in the craziness that's going on around you or rejoice in all the stuff that you have or the lack of your material stuff. No, he says rejoice in the Lord. What if we started there with our thoughts? What if we started with rejoicing when, when things are challenging? right? We rejoice in who God is. We remember how good he is. Guys, we just sang about the goodness of God. That doesn't have to end when we stop singing. We can think about how good God is at any time. In fact, that's what Paul says, always. Let's not gloss over that word, always, right? There is always something to rejoice in the Lord about. So no matter what is happening, we can always look to God. We can always think on the Lord. We can rejoice, right? Some of the truths that don't change, right? God doesn't change. His love for us is always boundless. Jesus displayed ultimate love by dying on the cross for us so that we could have abundant life and eternal life. That is a truth that is always there and that we can always rejoice in. So remember, Paul extols us to rejoice, to take joy in our Lord seriously, to make it a habit, to make it a practice. The message version says, celebrate God all day, every day. And the message version always says, revel in the Lord. Take great pleasure in God. So what might that look like for you? How do we get into the habit of rejoicing in the Lord? How, what does it look like for you to celebrate God every day? I think it depends on the person. For me, I like to read the Bible and I like to journal. Maybe that's what you need to do, or you can try that. Maybe for you, it's just sitting and listening to a song, like the goodness of God, like we sang, and just letting the words wash over you and remembering how good God is, all right? But it's, it's going to take practice. It's going to take time. Much like we are maybe in the habit of complaining or worrying, let's try to get into the habit of rejoicing in the Lord instead. Okay, here's a great scripture to dwell on. If you ever need like a place to start with how to rejoice in the Lord, Zephaniah 3.17 is a beautiful passage. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I mean, if that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what will. The God of the universe is completely and utterly in love with you. He sings over you. He is with you. He will save you. All right, so let's rejoice in the Lord. We can learn this. We can practice this. So that's our first, po first point. Rejoice in the Lord. Don't be Eeyore. Second is this. Let's replace our worries our anxieties with prayer and thanksgiving, all right? Uh, then the next verses in our passage 
um, verses 6 and 7 say this, <clears throat> Do not be anxious about anything, but in every, every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, Paul here is saying, do not. This is a strong word. He's not saying, maybe you can try not being so worried. No, he's saying, do not be anxious, right? I kind of almost picture a parent being like, don't do it. Don't you dare, right? It's not a suggestion, right? He's saying, don't do it. Don't be anxious. But he gives us something to do instead of being anxious. Paul says, pray and give thanks. So we pray. We talk to God about it. We have a conversation with the Lord, with our Heavenly Father, and we invite the Holy Spirit into whatever it is we might be worrying about. So we talk to him. You know, so often we talk to people, you know, think about who you might have on speed dial when, you have, when you're going through something, right? So often we go to people first, but let's try going to the Lord first when our thoughts seem to be out of control. And don't just talk to God, make space, create space, sit and wait and listen for him. Listen for him to remind you of the truth to, and welcome the Holy Spirit's nudging you in that prayer. Okay, so we pray, we create space, but we also give thanks, right? Let's not lose that part of it. We pray and we give thanks. It's amazing. Nowadays, there is so much scientific work done on the neurological effects of being grateful, of being thankful. Um, in an article called The Neuroscience of Gratitude and How It Affects Anxiety and Grief, author Madalena Roy Chowdhury states several benefits of gratitude. Studies have shown that, um, that gratitude has tremendous impact on our well-being. It helps induce positive feelings. Um, in, it has many relational benefits. It says that um, couples who express gratitude to one another have been shown to sustain their relationship with mutual trust and loyalty. So I want to take this opportunity. Thank you, Rich, for washing the dishes the whole next of this week. Um, Gratitude has health benefits. It has been positively correlated to more vitality and energy and enthusiasm. Employees who are grateful are more likely to take on more assignments. And then managers and supervisors who feel grateful are able to encourage stronger group cohesiveness. All right, so here's a quote from that same article. When we express gratitude and receive the same, our brain, I, feel, I think this is so cool, our brain releases dopamine and serotonin, the two crucial neurotransmitters responsible for our emo emotions. They make us feel good. They enhance our mood immediately, making us feel happy from the inside. By consciously practicing gratitude every day, we can help these neural pathways to strengthen themselves and ultimately create a permanent, grateful, and positive nature within ourselves. I don't know who doesn't want that. I certainly do, right? A permanent, positive, grateful nature. So this is so cool. It's, it's possible, even on the cellular level, to renew our minds with gratitude, like the Bible is encouraging us to. We can literally renew our minds and make new grooves in our brains just by being thankful, just by being grateful. Right? So basically, science is confirming what the Lord has told us in his word about the value of giving thanks. 
So it is so important. Next time you feel your thoughts spiraling, try to be grateful instead. Right? Maybe next time someone cuts you off on Route 17 or Route 46, wherever we might be driving around, you know, take a step, take a pause, and thank God that you were kept safe in that situation, right? It's summertime, we're driving around. It's super, it's been super hot this summer. Thank God that you have air conditioning in your car, right? And maybe your air conditioning isn't working in your car right now. Thank God that you have a car to drive around in. Maybe you don't have a car. Well, thank God that there's an extensive public transportation system that we have in New Jersey that I know all over the world does not exist. All right, maybe, you know, we can thank God just for our legs, for the ability to move around. I hope you see where I'm getting at here, that there will always be something to be grateful for, to be thankful for. And like we've already established, we can always be grateful and be thankful for all that we have in the Lord. Amen? We can rejoice in him. We can thank God that he is in charge and that I'm not. Thank God that he is an ever-present help. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we're going to practice this right now. If you have your notes app on, uh, on your screen, you can. I want us all to write down three things we're thankful for. Text someone, write an email to yourself so that you can maybe start this practice this week. Write down three quick things that you are grateful for and see what that does to your mood, all right? Um, I'm just gonna, while you're doing that, I'm going to just share three things I'm thankful for right now. I think I'm thankful for just being able to gather here as a people, right? I don't think I will ever, ever, ever take for granted the ability to be able to gather in a church building again. Right, I'm so grateful for all of you. I'm so thankful for, that we're all here together. I'm grateful that my daughter will be six on Friday. I'm thankful that um, we have air conditioning in our church. I've been to many <laughs> churches around the world that that does not exist. Um, I'm thankful for God's word. Okay, I, went, I did more than three, but you see how once you get started, it's hard to stop, and it's a really great thing to do. And God wants us to. Jesus actually reminds us of the same. In the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 6, verses 25 to 27, this is what Jesus himself said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry. There it is again. Don't do it. Do not. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? So Matthew, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, look around you. Notice what is around you. Notice the beauty around you. I know we live in New Jersey, but people, there are still beautiful things to notice and see, right? Remember how worrying doesn't add value to your life. And as we get better at doing these things, as we get better at, at rejoicing in the Lord, as we get better at practicing gratitude and praying with thanksgiving, we arrive at the peace of God, right? Lastly, I want to look at what it looks like to capture and refocus our thoughts. Okay, I know sometimes our brains are so scattered. I know sometimes I feel this way. Sometimes I feel my thoughts before I even actually uh, know what they are. It's hard to really get a handle on what we're thinking and feeling sometimes. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this, 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Look at those words, demolish, right? Take captive. Those are not gentle words. Those are not, yeah, please do this. No, we are to be ruthless with the way we take our thoughts and bring them to the Lord. And I think that is on purpose because you all know where our thoughts lead. Our thoughts lead to our behavior and to our actions. And this is why it is so important to God. Okay, so we demolish and we take captive anything that goes against what God tells us is the truth, right? We um, can have freedom from those spiraling thoughts, from worrying, from the negativity that swirls and circles in our minds. But in order to do that, we need to take those thoughts captive. We need to identify them. And then sometimes that requires honesty and that requires a little bit of self-awareness. You know, it's not fun to realize, you know, I'm not really thinking that wonderfully about this person. I'm actually having really hateful things to think about that person. Or I'm just being so negative right now. Or maybe I really, I'm really envious of that person's car. I really want that car. And I'm not thinking such good things about them because I want what they have, right? Those are thoughts that are not easy to fess up to or to, to come to a realization about yourself. But the language of this passage is clear. We need to take those thoughts captive and we need to bring them to God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 in the message version of the Bible says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warp philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. The imagery of this verse is very strong. Our thoughts, big or small, our emotions and impulses as Christ followers, he gives us the tools to capture those thoughts. And starting in our minds, we are given power and authority to fight the battle for our minds. And those tools, some of them are what we've talked about already. You have the tool of prayer. You have the weapon of of prayer and thanksgiving and rejoicing in the Lord. You see, the enemy will use what he can, and he will do anything to make sure our minds are not fixed on the Lord and his truths. There is a battle for the thoughts that run through our mind. However, when we have those thoughts, whether they are judgmental or critical or mean-spirited, whether they are anxious thoughts, whether they are Believe we are, whether we're believing lies about who we are in Christ, our worth, whatever those thoughts may be, God is with us and he helps us. So first, we have to name the lies. Name the thought, capture it, and just recognize it for what it is. A thought born out of insecurity, maybe. A thought born out of judgment or hate. And repent. Ask God, Lord, I need your help with these thoughts. I need you to renew my mind right now. I'm sorry. In um, our uh, small group a few semesters ago, we went through a study based on Jenny Allen's book called Get Out of Your Head. And in it, she shared that a psychologist friend of hers in years of treating patients says most of what people's negative thoughts about themselves basically fall into one of these three categories. So these are lies that we believe about ourselves. So we're going to look at these lies so that they can be exposed so that then we can ask God to deal with them. All right, so the first lie is that I'm helpless, right? The second is that I'm worthless, 
And the third one is that I'm unlovable, right? So what she's saying is that our thought, our, what we think about ourselves, we default to one of these three lies, okay? And it's important for us to pinpoint these lies. When did we start believing the lies of the enemy in this area of our lives versus what the Lord tells us of his being present with us? Because the truth is we're not helpless. He is a present, a constant present. He is with us, right? The truth is we're not worthless. We have immeasurable worth in the Lord. The truth is we are not unlovable. We have great love in the Lord. Right? Think about how these lies play into your particular fears and anxieties. You see, if we capture these lies, if we name them for what they are, then we can ask the Lord to sweep in with his truth for us. We have a choice to believe God's truth or to believe the lie of the one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. So first, we capture the thought. What is it? Then we diagnose it. Is it true? Is what I'm thinking even true? right? Then we take it to God. What does God have to say about it? You know, consult your Bible. Talk to someone who you would consider a spiritual leader. Ask God what you have to say about this thing I'm thinking about. And then we make a choice. We always have a choice. Am I going to believe God or not? Right? So in the same study, Jenny shares some examples. Here are some concrete examples of what it might look like to capture our thoughts. So um, here's the first one. Maybe we start with the emotion of um, having a fear, like we're scared of a real or perceived threat. So whatever that might be, you're feeling fear. And the thought that might come from that emotion is that I can't trust God to take care of my tomorrows. And the behavior that results from the thought might be, you know what, then I'm just going to be resistant to God's authority. And in my, relations, in my relationships, I'm just going to try to control and manipulate. And then the consequence of that would just be constant anxiety, right? You see how the negative thought spirals into our behavior and the consequence of that. But let's try to interrupt that thought. Let's see what happens if we do things a little bit differently. So we start with the same emotion, fear of a real or perceived threat. But what if instead... What if instead we choose to surrender? We choose surrender to the Lord. We just sang about that. Surrendering to the Lord, surrendering to his will, surrendering to his good and perfect plans for your life. And then hopefully we then think that God is in control of every day of my life. That is true. He is in control. And then the behavior that is born from that thought could be that we are submitted to God's authority in our behavior and in our relationships. And then hopefully a consequence of that is that we live as unafraid people of God, right? Do you see the difference there in choosing to interrupt our spirals with God's truth? Here's another example. All right, sometimes we are feeling self-pity. I sometimes will throw self-pity parties for myself, okay? That is a real emotion. Um, and so from there, we could think, I am a victim to my circumstances, and from there, the behavior can be, we can start to complain, all right? And then in our relationships, we start to place blame. And then a consequence of that would just be cons being consistently unhappy. So let's try it a different way, all right? We start with the same emotion. We start with self-pity. But then, like we've been talking about, like... Paul is encouraging us. Remember, Paul was in prison ready to be. He could have been executed at any moment. 
But he was able to choose this, to choose to be grateful no matter what life brings. And we can choose that. We can interrupt our self-pity party thoughts with that truth. We can choose to be grateful no matter what life brings. And then the thought then can be, my circumstances are an opportunity to experience God. We can reframe that. The behavior then becomes, we can give thanks. We can be grateful. We can be thankful. And in our relationships, we can be forgiving. Like um, Pastor Thomas preached about last week, forgiveness can flow. And then the consequence with that, from there would be that we could be joyful people of God. All right, so I hope those were good examples in how we can interrupt our thought spirals with God's truth. We can choose to believe what God says in the midst of our thoughts. It will take practice, but my prayer is that for all of us to be able to believe what the Lord tells us more and more about ourselves and who we are in him, more than what the world tells us or what the enemy tells us. Amen? And finally, Paul says in this passage, after we, get, we capture our thoughts, we can refocus our thoughts. We can replace our thoughts. In verses 8 and 9, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So use verse 8 as a litmus that test for your thoughts. Okay, first, is it true? Is what I'm thinking even true? If it's not true, get rid of it. All right, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Go down the list. These are what we are to replace our thoughts with. And like Paul says, put it into practice. This is all going to take practice, right? So in closing, my prayer is for many of us to experience freedom in this area. We have so much in Christ. We have access to more than we think about. We have authority and power and choices, and we can rejoice in the Lord. We can replace our worry with thanksgiving and prayer. We can refocus our attention and our thoughts. And like Paul, as we refocus our attention on God, we will have freedom. Freedom from worrying about the world, freedom from thoughts that are untrue, Freedom even in the midst of being physically jailed and beyond that joy, a fountain of joy, a deep joy that no man or the enemy or any circumstance can take away from us. Amen? All right, let's pray and let's stand up. So come, Holy Spirit. Even now, Lord, I just ask for you to raise our awareness. Lord, give us a revelation of um, maybe the thought patterns that are not of you, the thoughts that we think that we have just fallen into a pattern of believing about ourselves, about others. Lord, I pray against that in Jesus' name. And I pray even now that we, you would renew us, Lord, that you would renew our thoughts, the thoughts that we think, that, Lord, that, that you would renew that um, part of our lives, Lord through your power and through the tools you've given us and give us that deep joy. Lord, give us that deep joy. May we be known by our joy, Lord. And um, as I was uh, preparing for this message, um, I kept kind of seeing a, 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 an image of an eraser and I kept kind of seeing words that have, I, I feel like words, there have been words that have been spoken over some of us 
um, maybe words that have been spoken over you in your life that the Lord wants to replace with his words for you. And you've been operating and living under um, the power of those lies and, and Jesus wants to free you from them. And the specific word I got was just that you're a beloved child of his. And so God, I pray into that word. I pray, Lord, that Lord, that you would help us to live as your beloved children, no matter what, um, what may have been in our past, no matter what untruths have been spoken over us, Lord. I pray for freedom in Jesus' name. And so we surrender our thoughts to you, our lives to you. We thank you that you have freedom for us. And we ask, Lord, for, for more of you, more of you in our thoughts. We thank you for the joy that we have access to through you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.